The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. If you ever got a graduation card, which I'm sure you obviously must have when high school was finished, undoubtedly, if it had any kind of a religious or Christian expression, it would include the verses, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. You know, oftentimes, the familiar verses of the Scripture become so familiar that we sometimes just pass over them. John 3.16, Romans 8.28, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. But college is a transition time. You're moving from being a uh, a teenager uh, under the authority of your parents to eventually, and it comes sooner than you think, being on your own. And so the questions arise. What's next? What am I going to do? Will I get married? Will I find a job? How will I know what's right? Well, God has the answer for us in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. At the end of verse 6 is a wonderful promise. It says, he shall direct thy paths. Means you don't have to figure it out on your own. Uh, My wife and I flew in on Wednesday morning and we were picked up at the airport. And I didn't have to worry about getting to campus. I wouldn't know the way. Thankfully, I have GPS. But oftentimes, GPS is wrong. But I just sat back. Let him drive, because I knew he knew the way. The Bible tells us that God will direct our paths. We, we know that, but it's very hard to embrace and very difficult to grasp the truth of that. But, but recognize, it doesn't say he, he might direct your path. It doesn't say maybe he'll direct your path. If you're lucky, your path will be directed. No, no, no. The scripture is very, very clear. It says, and he shall direct thy paths. Plural, paths. Not just overall in general, but the specifics of your life. God has promised to direct. That means, and, and this is a blessing, we, we always hear folks say, you, you need to find the Lord's will for your life. No, not really. You need to trust in God with all your heart and to lean not to your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and then he will direct your paths. I don't have to find God's will for my life. God will show me what his will is and my responsibility is simply to obey. I just, I don't have to figure it out. I just have to obey. And so he, he promises that he will show us his will. And by doing that, it'll stop us from doing wrong. 
I remember when I, uh, I knew that God wanted me uh, in the ministry. I had no doubt about that. I told you how I gave him my life to, uh, so that I might keep people from going to hell. But I honestly didn't know how, how that would play out. I didn't know if I was supposed to be a missionary or a pastor or even if God wanted me in full-time service. I thought that he probably did. But I graduated from college and uh, at the time I wasn't married. And in fact, I didn't have a girlfriend. They hadn't yet invented eHarmony, so I was pretty much stuck. And uh, I, I, I knew that I didn't know enough about church to, to go to be a pastor. I, I, I had never gone to church before I went to college, and I learned doctrine, but I didn't really learn. I wasn't really convinced that I knew all that a guy would need to know to be a pastor. So I began to pray, Lord, open the door that I might go and work at a church and learn from somebody, somebody who can mentor me and teach me and lead me, but nothing had opened up. And so I had to pay the bills, so I, I got a job. I went to a construction company. They were building an apartment complex. And I told the foreman, I said, I said, I need a job, but I want the worst job you have. I want the job that people who do for a couple of days and then they quit. And he looked at me like, what, are you nuts? And I said, well, let me explain. I said, I believe God wants me in the ministry and he hasn't yet opened the door, but I want a job that as soon as God opens the door, the door, I hate that job so much, I will walk through that door regardless what it is. He said, I don't understand it, but I got a job for you. Uh, we're building an apartment complex here, and we have uh, cement breezeways between each of the buildings, 127 buildings, but we can't get the tractor in between the buildings, so I need somebody to fill the wheelbarrow with gravel, dump it in the breezeways, level it out, and it'll be a full-time job. I said, I'll do it. And so I got my job shoveling gravel all day long. <laughs> dumped it. And I'm thinking, no problem at all. I hate this job already. If God opens the door, it's going to be wonderful. And I just kept praying, Lord, you know where I am. God, you know my heart. I, I got involved in a church and I was working, uh, teaching Sunday school and helping, but five days a week. It was miserable. I hated it. One day, uh, I read in the Sword of the Lord about a, a pastor's conference, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll get some practical training. So I asked the boss if I could have a week off to go, and I went all by myself, walked in, huge auditorium. I thought I liked to be close, so I came down to the front. I sat in the second row. There was a guy sitting there, and I said, do you have room for one more? He goes, sure, and he scooted over, and I got in, and we got to talking, and uh, he says, what are you doing? I said, well, I, I think God wants me in the ministry, but nothing has opened up yet. And he said, well, that's interesting. We're starting a Christian school. We need a Bible teacher. Tell me about you. No problem. I'm wonderful. <laughs> and so I, I, I told him a little bit, and he said, would you be interested in coming to teach in our school? And I thought, no, I hate school. But I went back. I said, let me pray about it. I went back the next week. It's raining. It's cold. I'm shoveling gravel. And I thought, man, God has opened a door undoubtedly. And so I, I 
went to be Bible teacher at the uh, Bridgeport Baptist Academy in Bridgeport, Michigan. And, and from there, I became a youth director. And from there, God led me into the pastorate. And from there, God put us in evangelism. And from, sounds like I can't keep a job, doesn't it? And from there, uh, God brought us to Rochester Hills. But my point is, I didn't have to figure out what God wanted me to do. I simply had to stay available, trusting God, with all my heart, not trying to figure out on my own, not leaning to my own understanding, not trying to manipulate to open doors, not trying to, to uh, convince God of what I would be best at. Honestly, I would have never thought about teaching in a Christian school, but that was God's plan and that was God's will. And when he opened the door, he directed my paths and I thought, wow, this is a tremendous opportunity to be involved in a wonderful church where I can can learn about the ministry. God says that if we'll trust in him with all our heart, you know, that's tough spiritually. It's not really difficult in the, in the, real, in the uh, physical world. Uh, you all got new chapel seats yesterday. I didn't see anybody trying them out to see if they would hold you. You just sat down and trusted. When we got on the airplane uh, Wednesday morning, I didn't go up to the cockpit and say, uh, hey, bud, can I see your credentials? You ever crashed before? No, I don't know if the pilot is a Christian. I don't know if he's suicidal. I have no idea. I just took my seat, hoping that nobody smelly would sit next to me. And we flew, and praise the Lord, we made it here. That's what trust is. It's completely relinquishing your hold. It's saying, God, you're in control. If you're familiar with the story of Ruth, that's exactly what she did. Ruth grew up in the land of Moab, and uh, uh, at the same time there was a famine in Israel, so uh, Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons came to, Noah, to Moab. One of uh, Elimelech's sons fell in love with Ruth, married her. The other son married a girl named Orpah. And then Elimelech died, and both the sons died, and Naomi said, girls, I'm going back home. I'm going back to Israel, going back to Bethlehem. Uh, Y'all going back to your families, going back to, to, to where you grew up. And they said, no, 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 we're going with you. And so they started down the road together. But as, uh, uh, again, Naomi tried to encourage him, you need to go back. I don't have any more sons. I don't know what's there for you. And Orpah turned around and she went home. And Ruth said, I'm not going home. She said, where you go, that's where I'm going to go. Where you live, that's where I'm going to live. She said, your people are going to be my people. And most importantly, she said this. She said, your God is going to be my God. She was trusting God. Understand this. She'd never been to Israel. She'd never been to Bethlehem. She didn't know how far it was. She didn't know if they'd get mugged or killed on the road. She simply said, I want God to be my God. She didn't know. They came to Bethlehem. There's no food. Naomi said, God has made wonderful provision for us. 
It's the time of the barley harvest. And God said that poor people, that would be you and me, Ruth. Uh, God said that we could go to the fields because the Lord said that all the corners of the fields should be left unharvested in order that uh, the poor people could come and glean. She said, take this basket, you'll find a field. And so uh, Ruth headed down the road with the basket and she came to the field of a man named Boaz. We know the story. Ruth didn't know the story. She just knew there was barley in the field. She just knew the corners were unharvested. And so uh, somebody might call it a coincidence. I would say I think God was directing her paths. She's in the corner gathering, gleaning her barley. And meanwhile, Boaz comes to check on his laborers. And he sees her out there and he goes, wow, who's that? I said, well, that's, that's Ruth, the daughter-in-law of Naomi. And he goes, daughter-in-law, huh? He's married. No, her husband's dead. And Boaz said, really? <laughs> he goes, wow. He said, that girl is a really hard worker. He said, send for her when, when it's lunchtime. I, I, I want to eat with her. And they told a little bit about her story, how that she had left her homeland. She had come with Naomi, and now she was here gathering barley so that they might eat. And here's what Boaz said to Ruth in chapter 2, verse number 12. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. To trust. Ruth didn't know that they would arrive safely in Bethlehem. She was just trusting God. She didn't know that God would lead her to the field of Boaz. She was just trusting God. That day, she staggered home with a basket full of barley, more than any gleaner had ever gleaned. Naomi said, wow, where'd you get that? And she said, well, I met a guy named Boaz. And Naomi said, Boaz? He's rich and he's single. This could be the guy. She didn't know that. She didn't have any idea who owned that field. She was just trusting God. The relationship grew and she eventually proposed to Boaz. It's in your Bible too. And, 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 and they got married. And God gave them a son named Obed. And Obed had a son named Jesse. And Jesse had sons, named, the youngest of whom was named David. Ruth didn't know that. She didn't know that she would become the great-grandmother of the king of Israel. She didn't know she would be the great-grandmother of the sweet psalmist. She didn't know she'd be the great-grandmother of the one who slew the giant Goliath. She just knew she wanted God to be her God. And she trusted him. Several hundred years later, another baby was born in Bethlehem. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Check the genealogies. You find out that Jesus' great, 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 several more greats grandmother was Ruth. God said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. 
See, most of the, I shouldn't say most, but many of the promises of Scripture are conditional. God says, if you'll do your part, I'll do my part. For instance, Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that's our part, shall be saved. That's God's part. Ask, that's our part, and it shall be given unto you. That's God's part. In this particular instance, God says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not to thine own understanding in all thy ways, acknowledge him. You know, that's kind of hard because sometimes we like to figure things out on our own. Sometimes we like to fix the things that are broken on our own. And I'm not talking about being lazy or indolent. I'm talking about the idea of simply saying, God, I'm trusting you. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I've been pastoring in Lebanon, Missouri for about 14 years where we had that ministry to the soldiers. And because of the ministry, I was getting several opportunities to preach in other churches. They wanted to hear about that ministry. And it it came to the place where I was gone in my heart way, way too much. I would be uh, in a revival meeting or a conference and somebody would go in the hospital back home or possibly even somebody would die. And I just felt like these people need their pastor. So I began to pray. I said, Lord, give me the wisdom. I don't know. I don't want to turn meetings down if you want me to go, but help me to know what meetings I should take or shouldn't take. And I I, I asked our men, I said, guys, I'm gone too much. Help me out here. Should I go like once a month or once a quarter, a couple times a year. And one of our, uh, the chairman of our deacons said, said, we, we miss you when you're gone, but we don't really need you. That's comforting. He said, we have a great staff, and when you're gone, they preach. And uh, it doesn't hurt the church, but if you can be a help to others, you should just go and preach. Well, that didn't help me at all. So I began to pray like this. I said, God, if if you want me to pastor, just have the meetings dry up where nobody asks me anymore, or at least give me the, the, the knowledge that I should turn them down. But if you don't want the meetings to dry up, if you want me to maybe resign and go into evangelism full time, I want you to convince my wife. I wasn't going to ask her to give up her home, give up her church family. I wasn't going to ask her to leave her her best friends in the whole world. I said, God, if if you want us in evangelism, convince Karen. I never said a word to her about it. Probably a year passed by. We did a a, a snow camp up in Colorado. We're driving home. It's January. We're driving right through... uh, Uh, our town to get to our house and she looks at me and she goes you know this doesn't even seem like home anymore just seems like another town she said do you you think maybe God wants us in evangelism what I said why would you say that she said I I just feel like maybe God wants us in evangelism that was on Saturday on Monday I took our staff out and I said guys I'm resigning. God wants us in evangelism. So how do you know? Because he directed our path. I resigned to the church Wednesday night. And, and I just said, Lord, this is what you want us to do. I'm going to follow you. 
I determined that if this is what God wanted, I wasn't going to write any letters or make phone calls asking for meetings. I said, God, you just, if you want me to preach somewhere, you're going to have to just open the door. A couple days later, I got a phone call from a guy in Washington State. He said, uh, he, he said hey, I'd like you to come for a meeting. I, I, I heard that you're going into evangelism. I said, how'd you hear that? Well, I don't know. Somebody told me. I said, yeah. He goes, well, our church is small, and we wouldn't be able to, to uh, afford to bring you out. But what if I got you some meetings in some other good churches? I said, sure. He says, what's on your schedule? I checked my calendar. The only thing I had in both directions was my birthday circled. I said, I I have as much as you want. He called me back four days later and said, I filled the first three months for you. And from that day, our schedule filled up. And as we were as busy as we wanted to be doing 47, 48 meetings a a, a week uh, or a year, I'm sorry. And and, uh, yeah, it seemed like a week for sure. And then one day, uh, Pastor Traxler from Rochester Hills called me and goes, hey, let's go to lunch. Went to lunch and he said, uh, God told me you're supposed to pastor our church. I said, I'm an evangelist. I have four years completely filled in the future of meetings. He goes, uh, he goes yeah, but I need you to pray about it because I know God wants you to pastor our church. I said, well, I, I don't have that knowledge, preacher, and besides, you don't even know me. And he said, well, I don't know you very well, but I know God real well, and God told me you're supposed to pastor our church. Will you pray about it? Sure. What else are you going to do? So uh, I went back. I told my wife. I said, she goes, what do you want? I said, he wants us to pastor Rochester Hills. And she laughed, and we had a good time about it. He called a week later, and he said, you been praying? Uh, yeah, yeah, Sure. <laughs> He goes, good, I need you to come talk to the men. I said, preacher, I can't do that. I'm full, my, my schedule's busy, I don't have anything till Christmas. He, this was October. He said, you can't come for one day? I said, okay, I finish in Kansas City Wednesday night. I can come on Thursday. Thursday, I showed up. He, I said, what time's the meeting? I'm expecting to meet with the pulpit committee. He said, six o'clock. I get there. We're at the restaurant. It's six o'clock, we're still in the restaurant. And I'm thinking, oh my soul, what am I doing here? I said, what about the meeting? He goes, oh, they don't need us for a while. We get back to the church. Chairman of the deacons is running the meeting, not just the pulpit committee, it's several men of the church. And I walked in, the chairman of the deacons said, our uh, Bylaws require us to ask you some questions, but just so you know, we already voted. We're unanimous. You're supposed to be our next pastor. I said, evidently, I'm the only guy in in the room that doesn't know the will of God. But long story short, I began to pray about it, and it was obvious of God. I said, we'll come and candidate, and the church voted us, and some have regretted that, but they voted us in, and been there almost eight years. In every situation, I just trusted God as best I could. Acknowledged him. He's in control. Understand this. God wants your life to turn out better than you do. God is more concerned about your future than you are. 
And God has promised that if we will simply trust him with all of our heart and not try to figure out ourselves, lean not to our own understanding and put him first in all thy ways, acknowledge him. He says, he will direct thy path. So that means if I don't trust him, he won't direct. If I don't trust him with all my heart, he won't direct. If I don't trust him with all my heart, leaning not to my own understanding or in all my ways acknowledging him, he won't direct. But if I'll do that, he will direct my path. Young people, you have a million choices facing you in the next several years. You may do a good job figuring it out on your own, but I can promise you this. You will do best if you'll just simply say, God, you're in control. Pray that God would direct your paths. And then when that door opens, my plan is always, God, if this is not your will, close the door. If you don't want me to do this, close the door. But I'm going to pursue it until the door is closed. You can have faith in yourself and struggle. Or you can have faith in God and go on with confidence. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.